0: Start with uh, Joel Osteen today. I always like to get started with something a little funny. That's what he he says if you watch him. Uh, And they're bad. They're bad. Almost as bad as these ones I got right here. Thanksgiving jokes. Anybody ready? All right. Why did the turkey cross the road twice? (laughs) To prove he wasn't a chicken. What do you get when you cross a turkey with a ghost? Poultrygeist. If April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Got it. If your great grandmother saw you making boxed mashed potatoes, she would turn over in her gravy. I thought it was good. Knock knock tomorrow tomorrow we'll have turkey leftovers knock knock normally normally i don't eat this much (laughs) which country ironically does not celebrate thanksgiving So bad we got latecomers to the party, huh? (laughs) Why are the pants of pilgrims always falling down? They wear their belt buckles on their hats. Uh, Pretty bad, huh? Even my family said, Ben, you you gotta quit telling dumb Thanksgiving jokes. But I told them that I couldn't quit cold turkey. It's like I had no idea these would be pulled off like they are. This is great. All right, so I am going to start out in Psalm 137. It's kind of an odd Psalm, but I'm going to pull some things out of there in regard to gratitude and thanksgiving, and I hope by the end of this day that we can be able or at least be inspired to do the mental gymnastics that it takes to be thankful, no matter what good or bad is happening in our lives. So I'm going to start with this question. How many times have you practiced Thanksgiving denial? And by that I mean, how many times have we put on the fake face? How are things? Good. How many times have we denied what's going on on the inside when things weren't really going that great? Thanksgiving denial. The first two verses of the psalm, it says this. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. The people of Israel have been exiled out of their country... Out of Jerusalem, they no longer have a temple. They knew it got destroyed. They're exiled to a completely foreign land. They can't worship God like they're normally used to. In fact, their hearts are all broken because we don't even have our country. And so they hung their harps on the poplars. I don't even want to sing. I don't even want to sing. It's not a very good place to be. But they didn't deny what was going on inside of them. And I don't think we should as well. I think that you and I should be ready to practice the self-care that we need to acknowledge where we're at. And not put on the fake face or lie through our teeth when people ask us how we're doing. I don't know. These sorts of times, these holidays kind of bring this out in us where we are, uh, we're good at being fake. On December 10th, down at a live Church in Coon Rapids, we're going to have a seminar that's called Surviving the Holidays. And it is specifically designed for people who have lost loved ones, and it's tough for them during the holidays. It's a great video. It's a great walkthrough and an acknowledgement of all that you're going through and feeling because you don't have your lost loved one with you. It's also kind of a group setting where you can be around other people who are going through the same thing. And so basically it's an acknowledgement and awareness of just who exactly you are. And you don't need to deny it. They hung the poplars, or they've hung their harps on the poplars. I don't want to sing right now. I tell you what, you go to Bible college like me and you you go to a church that's really happening and you say, ah, I'm gonna do a church like this and make it contemporary make it active and exciting and contemporary music and grow this church and convert people and let's go do it right now. And then there's some times in your life where if you hear another contemporary Christian song, you're gonna puke. Pastors really aren't supposed to say that, are they? Unless they're in denial about it. They didn't deny. I said, I don't feel like singing right now. They acknowledged and they were aware of who they are. It's okay for you to do that. The next question I want to ask you is Have you ever been asked for Thanksgiving on demand? To make things even worse, being in a foreign land, being away from their temple that didn't even exist anymore, being out of their land and feeling like they're far from God, their captors asked for songs just to torment them. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. Hey, why don't you sing those songs? Sing us some of them songs, those songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. One of the songs of Zion. And Zion was associated with the presence of God. That was Jerusalem. Another name for Jerusalem. It's one of the mountains that Jerusalem sat on. And Zion was the place. It's the place we went every year. We traveled to to worship God for the Passover. To be at the temple. And as we would sing, we would sing the song of ascents up to Jerusalem. Psalm 122 through 1. I can't even remember. Pastors are supposed to remember those things, but I forgot it. Songs of ascents. The special songs they sang as they traveled up the mountains to go to Jerusalem. Sing some of them songs. The tormentors knew where we were. They knew we were sad of heart. And they just lorded it over us. And they demanded it. They demanded that we sing some of those songs. They didn't want to sing the songs. What a terrible place to be in, right? Are you demanded? You kind of are, right? Somebody asks you, How you doing? Ah, there's some pressure to say, Great, great. What about your spouse? They want you to be in a good mood, have a little joy, right? If you don't, eh, things aren't going to work out in the marriage very well. Or so there's some demand there, isn't there? What about the public? If you're sad of heart all the time, they ain't going to want to hang around with you. So there's some demand there. What about church? We've got a wonderful thing we do here. We expect you to bring in here your happiness. And we struggle to leave room for your weeping in the church. What about Thanksgiving holiday? There's some demand there too, isn't there? Well, it's a proclamation. I'm going to read a little bit of to you. George Washington. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, and that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence which we experience in the course and conclusion of this late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been able able to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general, for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. There's a day assigned to you to give thanksgiving, There's some demand out there. A little bit of accountability. If you and I aren't thankful, have some joy. (sighs) But whenever it's an obligation, it doesn't seem to work very well. Doesn't something that we want to well up with inside of us, thanksgiving? All right. So the next question that I would like to challenge you with is, can you give thanks no matter the place in your life? In the psalm, verse 4, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? There ain't no way I can sing a song of joy right now. Do you got the fortitude to do the heavy lifting of changing the way things are inside of you? So in that regard, thanksgiving and the proclamation, the assignment, and in that regard, the little accountabilities And in that regard, the songs that we just sang, forced to kind of sing if we come to church, they're good for us, even if we maybe don't like them. So can you change your mindset, all right? Maybe for you, everything's going fine and things are going smoothly and swimmingly for right now. But for all two of you, the rest of us are a little different. (laughs) Can you, do you think? Change the way you think. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? Well, there was people that did it. Can you? Can you do that heavy lifting to change that thought process and so those tendencies don't play out in the rest of your life? If you read the Jesus Calling every day, These last couple of days, it's focused heavily on thanksgiving, but today was really kind of neat. It says probably better than I can say it. Thankfulness takes the sting out of adversity. That is why I have instructed you to give thanks for everything. God commands this, by the way. There is an element of mystery in this transaction. You give me thanks regardless of your feelings, and I give you joy regardless of your circumstances. This is a spiritual act of obedience, at times blind obedience. To people who don't know me intimately, it can seem irrational and even impossible to thank me for heart-rending hardships. Nonetheless, those who obey me in this way are invariably blessed, even though difficulties may remain. Thankfulness opens your heart to my presence and your mind to my thoughts. You may still be in the same place. With the same set of circumstances. A foreign land where God seems far away. But it is if a light has been switched on enabling you to see from my perspective. It is this light of my presence that removes the sting of adversity. Do you believe that? Psalm 89.15 says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. Can you give thanks no matter the place in your life? Next question. No matter your place, God is always present in your life. Do you believe that? John 1.14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That would have benefited the folks in Babylon so much. They didn't have their temple and they didn't have their Zion anymore. Oh, it would have been great if we still had the tabernacle that we could pick up, tear it down, take it to the next place we were going. The one they had wandering in the desert. It would have been great. But no, the temple was in one spot. We had to go up to it and it doesn't even exist anymore. And we're not even in Jerusalem anymore to rebuild the thing. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Greek word right there, made his dwelling among us, is tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. He can go with us wherever we go. He is always there. When we we're driving up here today, right at the stop sign where you turn, turn north to go to Glidden... I didn't come to an effective full stop, okay? And somebody in the car made me aware of that, (laughs) as well as the wide turn. (laughs) And I said, there's nobody out here. And she said, wonderful, wonderful. She said, well, there's nobody out here until there's somebody out here. And I said, you're right. God's always out here. You know, it's funny you and I fully believe God is with us when we might be up to something a little bit wrong, right? We believe he's always oh, watching. He's got a check mark, right? But for some reason, when things are tough or something, where's he at? Tabernacling with us. I'll never forget the day in Bible college where my theology came crashing down by what a professor said, Right? It's this one right here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Going through Bible college, and I you know, I remember that verse, I'd heard that verse and God has a big house up there in heaven, you know, with many rooms. And at that time, the old audio adrenaline song was out. God has a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms, big, big table with lots and lots of food. That sounds good. Big, big yard where we can play football. It's, it's my father's house, right? So big, huge house up there in heaven. And I imagine the room he's going to give me is really plush and really nice, right? Well, along comes a Bible professor. And he says, that's not really what that verse is talking about. It's not talking about a house up there. And if you read the rest of the context of that chapter, what it's talking about is the Holy Spirit is going to come when I go away to prepare a place. He is going to come and you're going to like that. You want that to happen. And he's going to come and he's going to reside in you. And so you and you and you and you are all one of the many rooms of the Father's house. He lives in you. It's not a house up there. You are his house. You are his temple. That's the many rooms. All of us. And so that's proof to us. He is always with us. We don't need to go up to the temple to worship him we are the temple his presence is always with us and i hope that you can believe that because it will help you then begin to give thanks no matter what the circumstances are no matter if you feel like you're in a foreign land no matter if you don't feel like you want to sing he's always always with you you are always in the right place to worship job 13:15 he said, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Now, that guy had it figured out. Whew, that's pretty tough. We can, though. It might help us to remember he is always with us. Our gratitude leads to worship. I want to read this psalm to you Psalm 100 Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. facts about God, right? I want to pull out the one verse there. It's verse four. Enter his gate with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. I want to show you the words for worship that go into that. You can see it right there. Enter his gates with todah. Todah is a thanksgiving choir. It's one of the several words used for worship. That one particularly is todah. Let's enter his gates with a thanksgiving choir. Enter his courts with tequila. I know what you're thinking. It's tequila, okay? <laughs> I think that if we sing after the tequila, that's probably not really a whole lot of worship. So enter his gates with a thanksgiving choir. Enter his courts with thong- songs of thanksgiving. Give yada to him. It's an extended hand blessing of thanksgiving that he has given us all that he has. And Barak, his name. Barak is the fourth worship word in there, which means to kneel down to him. All right, so we put all that together, and let's just kind of reread that psalm. Do we got it there? Oops, I didn't fill it in. Up to you. Do you remember the words? Enter his courts with a thanksgiving choir. Hey, that's you and I together. And that means you and I, we got to be a help to one another. Because if I'm on my own and I'm a silo all by myself, I ain't going to tell myself the right things. I need you. And you need me. And we need each other so that we can remain thankful and full of joy. Otherwise, this guy's thoughts on his own are not going to go to the right place. Enter his gates with a thanksgiving choir and sing the songs of thanksgiving to him. That's what we've done today. You feel a little bit better about it? It works, doesn't it? Give yada to him. Extend your hands to him in thankfulness for all that he has given and bow down before his name. That's worship. And gratitude leads us to worship because we extend our hands in gratefulness to him And we bow down to him knowing that he is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues all through the generations, even if I don't feel like it. All right, I'm just going to close with this. I'm going to go to another psalm, Psalm 136. This psalm was designed, it's not up there because I'm just going to read it and I'm going to have you be involved in this. The psalm was designed for a leader to read And then for the congregation to respond. And the response is, his love endures forever. Can you remember that one? Say it with me. His love Love endures forever. forever. I'm going to read the phrases and you come with that one right after. And This is good, right? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love forever. To Him alone, who alone does great wonders. His love forever. Who by His understandings made the heavens. His love forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love forever. Who made the great lights. His love forever. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love it does. Faithfully day after day after day. He is there with us. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. His love and, and brought Israel out from among them. His love with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder his love and brought Israel through the midst of it, his love forever. but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His love forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love forever. to him who struck down great kings his love and gave their land as an inheritance an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. That's a good one right there, huh? That's a lot better than hanging harps on the poplars. I think, anyway. You see the transition of becoming aware of who you are and what's going on and offering yourself to self care. But transitioning in, changing your mindset, and allowing God to grow you into a thankful heart, allowing Him to grow you into a heart full of joy. So that then we are fully aware every day of his presence and also feeling his love every day that endures forever. Let's pray. God, we set aside a day, but we need to set aside really every minute of every day to give you thanks for how great you are. You are the greatest. You've always been the greatest. You always will be the greatest. And you are also good to us. And God, we often take it for granted. I pray, Father, this week, that as the little accountabilities come for us to be thankful, that we would approach them well, that we would open our hearts and minds to look at those accountabilities in a little different way, and that we muster up the courage to say, yes, I want to be grateful for God, no matter what circumstances that I'm in. Help us with that, Father,